Welcome to the Great Enthusiasm Podcast by Jude and I. The podcast where we share the fun and the failings of almost being global entrepreneurs. And how we nearly had it all. This is the story of Dry Like Me and us, Jude and I, and how we took a kitchen table invention to the shelves of the supermarkets globally and even over to America to Toys R Us. We want to share the learnings and document the story of Dry Like Me. We'd like to help others succeed where we failed. We always had great enthusiasm and lots of stories along the way. Some of them are censored though, Di. The best ones are censored. They are the best ones. (laughs) (laughs) So Jude, how did it all start? I have to take responsibility for this because this was my fault. (laughs) <laughs> one of a better word so I was at high well we used to get together didn't we and have lots yeah. of dinners and talk about setting up our own business so I think the intention to have our own business was there before the concept that became yeah, the business so. yeah agree yeah and do you remember the famous quote we used to say back to each other which was about um you just wanted a hobby job. job I still do and I have finally found it I took the long route round but yeah that's what it was about it was like the ultimate side hustle wasn't it yeah it just took over our lives for the next 10 years <laughs> God, we saw what like birth of children practically, or well, the whole point was because a child got born and messed up potty training. But we'll come back to that. But then there's been divorces, there's been multiple house moves, floods. Oh my yeah. God, what else happened? And that was just you. Yes, <laughs> it was. That was just me. <laughs> How many houses did I live in during the dry like me? I'm sure you were. A, I'm sure you said something about four before. Was it not four houses? <laughs> That's something different. <laughs> it was. I haven't moved house since dry like me, so maybe the, the universe has told yeah. me something about that. Stay still. Yeah. It started because we had this intention to start our own business, didn't we? And we were looking at things, and then all of a sudden, we used to joke that it fell into our lap. But my son struggled to potty train. In mm. fact, he was quite poorly, and um, there was nothing around other than a nappy. And I ended up inventing a product that was like a, I mean, for want of a better word, a stick-on sanitary pad that went in a child's own pants to get rid of nappies and help them potty train. And I was working with medics at the time with Harry and it was quite specialist and it was quite niche. And it just seemed like a good idea and we got talking about it. Well, I remember you saying you were looking for a product. You were basically searching online for this product, but the only thing you could find was washable pads. And that was the last thing you wanted to do was do more washing. And all you wanted to find was the disposable pads and it didn't exist. And I can remember at the time I was still potty training Grace and she took forever to potty train because she started too early because she'd seen her sister doing it. And she was forever wetting her pants. And I remember thinking, God, this would be so good for Grace as well, that it would work for not only for for the wetting and soiling medic market, but also for the general potty training market. And I think we said at the time we were just going to give it three months, didn't we? I was just going to say exactly that. We had this yeah. brilliant three-month rule. I'd seen someone talk, hadn't I? It was the, yeah. is it Simon Woodruff, the Yo Sushi guy. That's right. And yeah. he said he had multiple business ideas and he did everything for three months. And the ones that were worth carrying on, he'd do another three months. Yeah. And he didn't worry about having many, many ideas. But, you know, the one that stuck for him was Yo Sushi. And he had this amazing story about going to the cash point after he'd sold Yo Sushi whether this is a true story or not it stuck in my head and I loved it and he said he sort of went and checked his bank balance and there was like multiple millions in there for the sale of it and I just thought god yeah that 
Mm. We could do that. I fancy being yeah. that person with the cash point account that was in the yeah in the millions. multiple digits, and um, it really inspired us to just give it the first give three months, wasn't it? And I think that did because that stopped it being too overwhelming. So we could break it down, we could take it a step, and then we did reflect at the end of each three months. And I think we kept that principle the whole way through the business. Actually, so, well, good. we did right up until the end, didn't yeah. we? Even when we were looking at America, yeah, three months, three months, three, yeah, it became a couple of years. But anyway. It was, and I guess ultimately, when the end came, we'd sat there and said we couldn't see the business in three months' time, could we? I'm no, sure that's we had right. that conversation. Yeah. yeah, we did, yeah. And that was when we realised we'd taken it as far as we could. Mm. But that was 11 years on, and there was a lot happened oh, in God, the intervening so time. And uh, the highs and the lows. Oh, God, yeah. And then when you go back to the beginning, and I think how it started literally around a kitchen table, it was the ultimate mompreneur invention wasn't it yeah. we were corporate moms we'd um paused work for children i was like struggling to get back into work because i just had my second in fact i think i was on maternity leave yeah and i were. was cutting up sanitary pads with sellotape literally on the kitchen table and yeah. you were coming around and having lunch and we were thinking could we patent it and coming up with all sorts of ideas it was the ultimate mumpreneur kitchen table invention wasn't it it was and i think actually one of the best decisions we ever made was early on when we decided we were going to do the pattern ourselves and just yeah. get it documented and we just sat on the laptop and then we had the date the filing date for it and we could change it in future and some of those great decisions that we made almost sort of happened accidentally or intuitively you could yeah. say i mean we, we actually was a terrible patent application but it was. because it was so terrible <laughs> It went in our favour, didn't yeah. it? Because I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about patents in a future episode because it's quite, I mean, our IP was quite a huge investment and a massive part it of the was. journey. Yeah. And that was the concept, wasn't it? To invent something and sell it to a big corporate like yeah. P&G or yeah. someone. But we wrote this patent and it was so vague and so woolly that we ended up not pinning our sale to the mast. And it meant that when an actual professional patent lawyer came on, yeah. they had something to work with, didn't they? We hadn't narrowed it down too much or no. created something that we couldn't um, explain in better detail with a professional. But that was a total accident. It and was. it worked in our favour, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And actually, I think Yvonne, the patent lawyer, she was our first professional that we actually employed. And we'd done so much ourselves initially and tried to do so much. But mm. actually, that was the first person we really needed and that we felt it was worth investing in and spending our time and, and money. And do you remember saying to people, God, you know, we've applied for a patent, we might be inventors. And then I think we got to our like 20th country of being granted. And I was just like, yeah, it's, we're patented in Bolivia now, who cares? <laughs> it was like, how many countries did we have patents in? For God's yeah, we sake? Did. But do you remember the way that we chose the patent? The countries we looked at where P&G and Kimberly Clark yeah. registered all their patents and we just went for the same We were quite laser stories. focused, weren't we? we were yeah, not... we were. Yeah. And I think copying the big guys, I think that works quite a lot and getting inspiration from them and the marketing and things, because you know they spend millions on their marketing. Yeah. the real experts have been there so if we can go in look at what they've done we're not going to go far wrong that's so true and then we i mean yeah was, and then we had this mesh didn't we of patterns and designs and design rights design yeah. rights and together it was you know it was really good actually we had some good protection but i remember we were always told that we were more protected in the application process than the minute it was granted yeah because nobody would know while we were in the application yeah. process what could be granted that's right it was and, um, so even i guess to entrepreneurs out there even just getting the application in is a form of protection because it takes yeah. quite a long time doesn't it, yeah, it to does get to that to first through. month and it gets more expensive as it goes on 
Oh my quite God. How much money did we spend on patents by the end? I dread to think. I mean, I think this is a whole this is a whole episode in itself where we cry over how many hundreds of thousands were yeah. spent on patents. And was it worth it? It was the ultimate gamble, wasn't it? Because yeah. it could have been worth millions. Yeah. If we had got the sale out, it would have been worth it, but and, we didn't. And I guess that was the aim, wasn't it? To invent something, sell the patent, yeah. make millions, retire to a desert island and never work again. <laughs> Where did it go so wrong, Di? <laughs> Should have got half a job. <laughs> oh my God, that was just such... Do you know what? I love being back in that place where everything just seems so possible. And it was, I just, yeah. I genuinely thought yeah. we'd done it. I think when we realised we'd got a patent that was grantable, I just thought we were on the way. And it was only like a complete lunatic couldn't make a million out of our idea. It was that brilliant. So I was so sure it was just such a great thing. Well, that was our great enthusiasm. And I think yeah. that's why we got uh, funding because we were pitching with such enthusiasm um, to investors and why we got listed in the major supermarkets as well. It was that it was something different and we were very enthusiastic. And I think because we'd both come from a business background as well, that really helped us. We knew our way around spreadsheets. We knew how to put together a business plan. So I think yeah. that definitely helped it us. It fitted the brief, didn't it? Our sort of backstory fitted definitely. the notion of mums. Mumpreneurs yeah. around the kitchen table, come up with an idea, a bit of a hobby job. Because there is yeah. a lot of connotations to that as well. Invented over a, a crisis of parenting. Yeah, yeah. And um, and off we went. And then, you know, as we sort of went forward, it, we ended up not with a patent that we were selling for royalties, but with an, a huge um, manufacturing operation and container loads of stock all over yeah. the world, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It just became so massive, much more than I think we thought we were signing up for at the beginning. So looking back, one highlight, what's the absolute highlight? Oh, do you know, you read all these things now that say it's all about the journey, but, you know... If I could bottle those 10 years and do every one of them again, I don't think I'd make a single different decision. It was such fun. Yeah. I think the only thing we didn't have was the magic sprinkle of luck. Yeah, I think so. And I know we're going to talk about, with the benefit of hindsight, things we could have done better and differently. And I know we could have been leaner, meaner, better. But business is full of mistakes and failings. And some people just seem to get past those and do really well. And others fall at early hurdles or later on like we did but I do think mm. it was such a blast it was I used to like I used to like love telling people about this life I was living you know we were often jets to America <laughs> Vegas like pitching to Toys R Us turning up I mean remember when we first turned up at our first supermarket to pitch yeah with our board with the stuck on pads <laughs> stuck on pads and a board and by the end of it we were perched on tables in coffee lounges in you know, huge retailers just yeah. telling them our story casually and getting listed. It was incredible, really. It was incredible. Yeah, and we did have a lot of laughs along the way. I think we were very serious. We were very focused. Mm -hmm. We were very ambitious. We were both very ambitious. But we were also there for fun. Yeah. And we did have a lot of laughs. And I think that's the benefit of having a business partner because I mm -hmm. think if you're doing it yourself, it's so much harder and you don't get that. I miss our partnership. I miss yeah. not being in business together. Yeah. I think it wasn't always easy. Not no, that, it's not. Not that our relationship wasn't easy because it was, but, you know, when you're in partnership, particularly as women in partnership, we had children, we had husbands, we had other responsibilities. You're yeah. always doing more than one job, a full-time job. Yeah. And the mummy job. And I think that often pulled on us in different ways over the years, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think we had a lot of funds. The only mistake, or not mistake, but the thing I think we got wrong was that our emphasis was always on selling the business. That's so true. And I don't think that can be your primary focus in a business because I think it gives you a very short-term focus and you're always just looking at the quick way to get out rather than investing. And I think very often it's the time you don't want to sell. It's the time when a business is most saleable because it's going well. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that that sort of short-sighted us slightly. I mean, we raised, I mean, was it £1.3 million yeah. pounds worth of funding we'd had by the end? And I think when you look at all the things we did, we were saying this before, weren't we? If you could repackage all those things and do them without having that strategy of let's just do this one thing and then sell it to make a million, we would have done spent less money, been more efficient and probably got further. Yeah. But the strategy, you're right, wouldn't have been just do one thing and sell out all no. the time, would it? No. And we'd have spent less money and yeah, been in the Bahamas by now. <laughs> sure (laughs) we almost have it all we almost did so i hope that's given a little overview of what we did we created this company dry like me invented a potty training product and took it global and you're going to learn loads more about that whole journey over the course of this podcast so our next podcast is going to be all about being mumpreneurs yeah oh god i hated that word more to discuss we hated that word. hated that word we hated being called mumpreneurs i know i feel like i want to reclaim it now and wear it as a badge but more of that in the next episode <laughs>